It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Welcome to the Feckin' Check-In Show. It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Welcome to the Feckin' Check-In Show. It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Feckin' Check-In, Feckin' Check-In Show. It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Welcome to the Feckin' Check-In Show. Hello and welcome to episode 40 of the Feckin' Check-In. My name is Trainer, and with me as always is my co-host Toomey. How are you doing on this Thursday evening, Toomey? I am pretty good on this Thursday evening. I am just after scooting home from work and I had a busy enough day, but not too bad. Scooting, no less. You mean scooting in a literal sense, not in some kind of colloquial sense. Yeah, I was using it as a a verb, a a literal sense on my e-scooter, my electric scooter. Right. And that's a, it's a relatively recent purchase, is it? Correct. I, I bought it about four months ago, I'd say. Um, it's working quite well. Um, you get around pretty pretty fast. And the other notable thing is, I because I, uh, the weather is so cold, you're not moving on a scooter. So I, I'm literally covered from head to toe in gloves and neck scarves and sunglasses to prevent the wind going into my face. And I have a helmet on. And I, I you can't actually identify me on my scooter. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> That's good. It's good to know. Uh, incognito scooting going on. In- yes. In South County, Dublin. Yes, it's it's liberating in a way. Uh, how about you? How how are you doing? Uh, well, I haven't scooted anywhere. Um, I am grand, actually. Yeah, I'm I'm just at home here. Um, nothing, nothing to report at all. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> apart from your recovery from COVID. Oh yeah, sorry. Apart from that. Um, apart yeah, from COVID- your recovery from COVID. <laughs> sorry, I had. I- <laughs> I had COVID there for, for a while. I, I took some time off work. Um, that kind of feeds into one of my stories. Uh, okay. So we'll come back I to that. I suppose we can mention it there. Um, but yeah, I've noticed I was locked away in my apartment um, for a while, several days, self-isolating. That's finished now, thankfully, and I'm back to normal. But um, it's only when you're out about in the world you collect all these things for the facts. Uh, when you're at home doing very little you don't really collect any stories or points or interesting things to talk about. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons why the podcast failed a bit during (laughs) lockdown, because we were both just sitting at home in our apartments doing very little. And it's very difficult to come up with things to speak about when really your only interactions are maybe with your partner, your housemate, um, and maybe the television. (laughs) The television. Yes. A lot of the Fs especially will come out of interactions with people. Yeah. Um, And, the minute I stepped out in the world again, like more often, uh, the facts started coming thick and fast, including the ones I have today. Uh, they're all involving little trips I had out and places that I was um, going to and coming from and stuff like that. And you're going to be doubling up on the on the Fs and doubling up on the Cs. But we'll see if you want to share them as, as we go. You, you have the right not to share your secondary F and your secondary C. I do have the right you, not to share those. You, the research reserve the right not to share. I do, but I do. This is the Feckin' Check-In. This is a podcast about funny observations, entertainment, culture, and kernels of truth. And for the first time in three weeks, Mr. Trainer, will you lead us out on your funny observation of the last three weeks? Of the last three weeks. <laughs> We're going to have to come up with a snappier thing for that. Um, but yes, I will. Uh, this one involves getting the bus, so... Um, I don't get the bus as often as I used to. It used to be a daily occurrence for me. That's how I used to travel to and from work. I don't drive, as has been documented on the podcast. And I obviously stopped getting the bus a lot when COVID hit and we were confined to our homes. I still get it the odd time, but not very often. But it's to, it's on a familiar route, so I know where I'm going. I'm going into the city centre. I'm going over to my girlfriend's house. Or it might be going out to my parents. Those are the only places I really go on the bus. And I know where I'm off to. I go in. I say the name of the destination to the driver. He scans my leap card. And everything is hunky-dory. But on this occasion, I had to go to Finglas. Which is near my apartment. But it's not really walking distance. So I went and got a bus out there. And that's because I was going to get a COVID test. Because I was feeling very sick. And the nearest uh, test centre was in Finglas. Which is just right I'd say it's the next town over, kind of, to my apartment, but it's still a bit of a distance away. And um, this this story involves uh, getting the bus to a place you've never been before. As exotic as that sounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For years, I had an annual bus rail and Lewis uh, travel ticket. So this was a thing you could get in my job, and, and many other workplaces do it as well, where 
you pay for this unlimited annual ticket and you can travel as much as you want on the bus, on the rail and on the Lewis within the kind of Dublin area. Uh, the Lewis is a tram for any of our international listeners. And um, It's a sham yeah. as well. And if you're getting on the bus, there's two there's two lanes to walk up to the driver. There's one where you, t- where you scan the ticket with the driver and you say, I'm going to the city centre, please, and he charges you accordingly. But if you have an annual travel ticket, you just go up to, on the right-hand side and you swipe it because it doesn't matter. It's not a specific fare. Uh, it, it's, it's just you're just checking in on the bus. Same with the Lewis, same with the, t- the train. But when you don't have one of those annual travel tickets, they have to bill you accordingly for your fare because it might be as little as two euro or it might be four euro. Um, but obviously when you have an annual ticket, that's irrelevant. So for years, I was I was used to not going up and saying the place names of anywhere I was going. Um, I was just swiping on on the right-hand side with my annual ticket and that was fine. And in recent times, I got rid of that annual ticket because I don't use the bus or the train as much and it didn't make financial sense to, um, to get this ticket. So I just used the bus pay-as-you-go as I need to. And... Uh, that means you have to say the name of the destination where you're going. And I always forget this because I'm used to years of the other way and I get a bit flustered when I have to say it. For example, if I'm going out to where my girlfriend lives, it's an area I'm not familiar with and I turn around and say, shit, what do I say? Because <laughs> you, for- you forget the name of the stop. And if you actually give the name of the stop, a lot of the time the bus driver doesn't know the name of the stop, even though that it's a route they do all the time and should be familiar with the stop names. And the reason they often don't know the names of the stops is other people go up and just say the fare that they want to pay. So they'll go up and they'll say 225, 275, 3 euro, whatever it is. And he just gives them a a ticket for that fare. Now, again, because I've had so many years of having this annual travel ticket, I have no idea what the fucking bus fare is to anywhere because it was never relevant to me for a long time. So on this occasion, I was standing at a bus stop in Finglas, which I'd walked to outer Finglas. I had to get to inner Finglas, let's say. And I was going about maybe 10, 12 stops on the bus. And I was really hot and sweating a lot because that was one of my main symptoms with COVID. Any kind of mild activity, I was dripping in sweat. So even a a 10-minute walk over to the bus stop, I was kind of pumping sweat, really uncomfortable and hot. And then I hadn't hadn't checked where I was actually going other than on Google Maps to find out how to get there, like which bus to get because Google Maps will give you info on the buses. And um, I didn't actually know the name of the stop. And then I got on the bus and I was like, fuck! (laughs) And the driver was like, uh yes and i was like uh 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 and the actual vaccination or not vaccinations the actual uh tests were taking place in uh, a location called fun galaxy fingless uh, so, <laughs> so this is one of these like go quest kind of adventure center things where you go with a group of people and you you do tasks and all this type of bollocks and um but it's been used now to do covid tests because that's not open in the, in the current climate you can't be running around with groups of people and all that shit. So I was like, uh, fun galaxy. And he just went, what? And I just went, uh, fun, fun galaxy. He's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, that's, uh, um, uh, fun galaxy. He's like, what's fun galaxy? And I was like, at the COVID, COVID test. I'm going to get a COVID test. And he's like, right. Okay. And I was like, and where is it? And I was like, it's in fun galaxy. And he's like, then he's like, what's the bus stop? And I just went, oh, fuck. And there's people queuing behind me at the time. And I felt like I was being really like heavily judged by all the people on the bus, just looking at this moron with his forehead pumping sweat, uh, with no idea where he was going on the bus. And I, I had to quickly go into my Google Maps route that I'd planned. And luckily, it does have all the bus stops named on it. So I went into the actual location and I was like, oh, Pembroke Road. And he was like, where's that? And I was like, it's in Finglas. And he's like, I've never heard of it. I was like, well, neither have I. I've never been there before. So there was just a standoff with the bus driver where he was basically didn't know what to charge me. I didn't know where I was going. And then I looked in Google Maps again. I was like, I'm going 12 stops. And I was wearing a mask, obviously, at the time. He's like, I can't hear you, he said. And I was like, I'm going 12 stops. And he's like, I can't hear you. And I went, I'm going 12 stops. Because <laughs> it was written out in front of me. And he's like, where are you going? I was like, Pembroke Road. <laughs> And he's like, where is that? And I was like, it's in Finglas. I was like, that's all the information I have. I don't have any more information. So he just gave me a ticket uh, to somewhere and I sat down. But it was extremely stressful. And Sounds shameful. <laughs> yeah, it was shameful. I was really embarrassed. He, he, he stopped shamed me. Yes. And um, I, I was so flustered because I didn't know where I was going, really. And I think it's the bus drivers have gotten used to people just saying 225, 250, 275, that they don't even know the fucking names of the stops anymore or the areas. They're just used to people going up and saying a fair, which I'd say 85% of the time is what people do. And if they're not doing that, they're saying something really generic like city centre. So it's easy to give them a ticket. But that was it anyway. I was just extremely flustered and it, 
it reminded me of uh, the unpleasant nature of taking the bus and having to say the actual road you're going to on the stop. It happens sometimes when I'm going out to my parents' house. I'd say something generic like Cavan Teeley, and they'd look at you and be like, where are you going? I'd be like, that's like, or, and then I'd say something like, right, Kilboggett Park. And they'd be like, where's that? I was like, that's the name of the stop. That's the literal name of the stop. I've given you an area and I've given you a stop name. If you can't come up with a fare based on that, <laughs> then I'm sorry, you're doing a terrible job. I guess the old bus drivers used to calculate the number of stops and link it to the place name really quickly. But these new guys, they just have done away with that. They, they're not as skillful. It seems to be gone with the in the age of the leap card and uh, all that type of stuff. I was just so... Like, it was only a mild little small hiccup that happened in my life. But it, it was always a stressful thing getting on the bus back in the day because you had to think of the the um, the bus stop, where it was, and then you had to calculate the fare. And sometimes it would be 210 and sometimes it would be 270 and you'd always get caught out. And it was always yeah. really stressful. You had to have the exact <laughs> change. 180 or whatever. Yeah. Or you didn't, but see, you, there was yeah, like the, different ranges of six to nine stops and all this stuff. Really stressful. <laughs> yeah uh on to your second f then trainer you're on fire this this last three weeks okay my second f is uh it's about like this is again it's from being out and about so i was in edinburgh recently which is where i think i picked up the covid to begin with but um this is about like people in the airport and it's one thing i'm going to focus on but i'm going to mention a couple of other things as well uh as you know because you've traveled on planes before the only time you have to show your passport in the airport is when you're actually boarding the plane. You're at the desk. You're at the Ryanair desk. You're about to get on the aeroplane and you show your passport <laughs> and you show <laughs> the aeroplane. <laughs> you show your passport and you show your boarding pass and they then you get on. But this is about people who fumble for passports when they're going through security, <laughs> who fumble for passports when they're getting on the aeroplane and who basically have their passport in their hand at all times, as if somebody's going to pop up and ask them to show their passport, even though it's never happened on the 750 times previously that they've been in the airport. And what this does is this delays everything as well, because you're going through security and people are fumbling around in their pocket for their passport. And I'm thinking to myself, when have you ever, ever been asked for your passport in Dublin Airport at security? Never once in a million years. There's no mechanism whereby to scan it. There's no person who requests to look at it. All it, you're doing is taking off your metal objects and taking off your bag and disposing of any liquids and you're going through security passports are irrelevant there then the people the people queuing up for the plane fumbling in their pockets to try and get out their passport to show the bloody air hostess on the airplane the fucking passport that's already been viewed by the person at the gate which is the only person who's relevant and the only person who's important and the only person who cares about your passport the person at the, at the Ryanair gate who looks for it and asks for it. Yet there's people who still, every previous time they've ever been to the airport, they've never been asked for their passport, either at security, nor have they been asked getting onto the plane. Yet in many, many cases, people still present their passport, have it have it ready, have it ready in their hand, have it handy. <laughs> have the thing handy just in case. Just in case Just the tension in their faces and, and their body is all ready to show it. They're, they have yeah. it out five minutes in advance, some of them, and they have their big folders and they're oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. g'ing themselves up to show their passport. Their fucking see-through A4 sleeve folder that they have all their bullshit in that no one's ever going to ask for in a million years. <laughs> That's like, put, put your goddamn passport away until it's necessary and then know when it's necessary and learn from this experience right now. Learn from this now that it's not necessary at security and it's not necessary getting on the fucking aeroplane. The only place it's necessary is the fucking desk where you show your boarding pass and your passport. And it infuriates me. It infuriates me because I know that people actually know that they don't need to have their passport, but they have it there just in case. <laughs> it's, it brings out the darkest part of humanity, waiting for things at airports and getting off the plane. I hate when the, the bell goes off and the plane has landed and everyone stands up really quickly and then they have to stand there for about five minutes before we're allowed to get out get off the plane I uh, really annoys me I, I only do that if I'm on the edge seat because I do want to get out as quickly as I can but if you're on the second seat or the window seat there's absolutely no purpose whatsoever in standing up you're just going to cramp yourself and, and be uncomfortable because you're too tall to actually stand up straight so what you're doing is you're lurching over you're lurching over the seats in front of you in a standing kind of half bent over position thinking that this will expedite your exit from the plane but it won't yeah but even if you're on the aisle you get up and you're standing there for five minutes so you're giving yourself five minutes of discomfort to save possibly 10 seconds getting off the plane <laughs> and you're making it uncomfortable for other people to to get out 
because you yeah. people get out really quickly and they stand on the aisle really determined it's like the passport thing they're i'm getting ready to get off the plane it's all about me in this moment and i have the plane and i'm gonna get off <laughs> so does it, it brings out the worst in humanity yeah uh, and then the other one which is it's well documented by a lot of people but it bears repeating again is that uh the people who are going through security and they only start taking off their belt and taking off their jacket. The belt. Another one, yeah. They only start doing that when they're actually in front of the person with the fucking basin. The person's handing them the basin to put all their yeah. stuff in and they start the process <laughs> of going through their pockets and taking out their wallet and taking out their keys. And they're like, you absolute fucking animal. You've been in the <laughs> queue for 15 minutes <laughs> and you saw everybody around you doing it. You've seen yeah. people doing it, but you know. You decided to wait until you're right up at the goddamn thing where the basin is in front of you. And yet now you start the process of taking off your belt. And it's like it's as if it's the first time you've ever flown before in your life. Yeah, they make a big song and dance about taking off the belt. And I mean, in some cases, very few. It probably will be the first time the person has ever flown before in their life. But it shouldn't be as common as it is because that can only be a very small number of people who are in the airport for the first time. So the majority of these people who are doing that are actually seasoned travellers and they're yeah. still doing it. Seasoned animals. <laughs> and as you said, trainer, learn from your mistakes. If you do in it, just stop it. Just stop it. So E for entertainment, Tumi, I believe you have an E for this uh, episode. Oh, well. (laughs) I don't know if people still call ecstasy pills E. They call Uh, them yolks and pills and other things. Not that. An E. I don't know. Yeah, an E is very kind of British slang in the 1990s. Yeah, it's a very retro thing. You got an E. Mm. E. (laughs) Uh, But E is also for entertainment, as you said. And I don't know how long this one will be. It's just more of a statement. Um, It's about Squid Game. And yep. I'm sure most people have heard about what that is. And I don't think I'm going to explain. You could just Google it if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted, to, I wanted to say about Squid Game is that it it uh, mixes graphic violence, like loads of blood and gore and guts and stabbings and punching people to death, mixes that with childishness and games and silly nursery rhymes and um, going on a quest and all this stuff it's a really weird mix of the two it's like one minute you're like ah oh, this is nice and they're bonding and they're doing something that we did in childhood they're doing these silly games but now they're taking their hearts out and stabbing them in the, in the eye and I just think it's an interesting mix and that's all I've got to say about it <laughs> well it's it's interesting that you bring this up because I did an episode of the Maiden A to Z podcast and it was a Halloween special and I appeared on it recently. It was out there. I think it was on Halloween. And we were talking about the crossover between horror music, or sorry, horror films and, and heavy metal music. But then separately, I was chatting to Jonathan, one of the hosts afterwards, and we were talking about, and it was really him who brought it up. So if he's listening to this, I want to give him credit. And he was talking about the fact that horror often combines childhood themes uh, with violence. And you look at the horror films that are out there, you've got Chucky, the, you know, who was a doll. Uh, what's the, What are those films called? Child's Play. Um, You've got like Saw, the film series, and the whole tagline of that is, I want to play a game. Um, it's all like, and, it, and like he has a little puppet thing that comes out on a bike, and it's all very childlike. Um, you have witches, you have clowns, there's always killer clowns. You're talking about the film It. Um, oftentimes, childish imagery is linked in with violence and horror. Um, Even the Joker and in Batman, kind of. Exactly, yeah. Darkness. What, there was a brilliant tweet one time, which is like, of all of his enemies, uh, the failed clown is the only one that Batman cannot defeat or something I can't remember yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it was a, something really like d- d- diminishing the whole concept of like the Batman's enemy is actually a clown, a clown. which is hilarious, it's hilarious <laughs> in itself but yeah but like horror um, and violence uh, often folk, uh, often kind of uh, brings you in through kind of childish and childhood imagery and childhood things um, and that's usually the basis for 
for a lot of horror films. Yeah, that's a really good point. And like in Squid Game, I think it it almost disarms you because you're thinking of the games that they're going into play and how nice it is and how it reminds you of childhood and oh, this is lovely and they're all going to go in together. And then like you, you, I think it makes you then accept all the violence. It it desensitizes you or something or catches you off guard because you're like, oh, I've just been thinking of childhood nice things and now there's graphic violence. Oh, that's okay because because they've just been doing the games and stuff so it's grand yeah yeah it's true like and, and then even look at films like halloween like the killer michael myers is wearing a halloween mask the films take place on halloween night where children are going around trick-or-treating uh, scream the killer wears a mask as well it's a child it's a children's costume um and and there's another sort of side point on this is goes back to the japanese and yeah. how they um the uh, culture or sort of what what am i trying to say the <laughs> japanese schoolgirls and young looking uh, cartoon characters are fetishized by sections of the japanese society would that be a, a fair enough yeah i, I know what you're talking about yeah like yeah. the sexualization, sexualization of, of childhood <laughs> yeah but I, I think we talked about this on um yeah. A gift from Japan, that episode of Open Us a very long time ago. Yes. Um, and I wonder is this a similar thing? Is that it, if you link things to childhood, does it in some way, and you make it all cute and nice, but then you slip in under the radar graphic violence or graphic sex, inappropriate stuff, does it somehow distract you? Because you're thinking yeah. of that, if the Japanese example, you're thinking of uh, a young looking girl, but. It's a cartoon of a young looking girl. So it's like and they're doing all these games and stuff, but they they're they're provocatively dressed in the cartoon and stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I don't know I what, what that mean, is. Yeah. I don't know what the link is, but there it seems to be there. It's like it's using adult uh activities or adult oriented themes and things, but linking up to childhood themes and childhood activities as well. Um Yeah. And but I think with the horror side and again Jonathan kind of was t- talking about this and I was agreeing with him but it's inter- it's really coincidental that you're bringing this up um, he was saying and I, actually I said to him I was like uh, I think most of our worst fears come from childhood um, like as an adult I'm not afraid when I hear a noise at night I'm not afraid of the dark that type of stuff but I used to be I used to be shit scared of the dark and if I heard any noise at night I thought it was somebody coming in to murder me or it was a ghost uh, I don't believe in ghosts anymore now that I'm a grown man but I used to when I was younger but I think horror films play into all of this childhood imagery and children's kind of things because it's the core age group of where all of our fears come from. All of our worst fears manifested themselves in the form of like ghosts and noises and all that stuff when we were children. Um, and I think maybe watching horror films with childhood kind of themes of like clowns and things like that and masks and Halloween, it brings people back to being a child and probably helps to scare them while watching yes and i think that's also a good point and i think it brings us into that realm of imagination and it being like a fantasy land but it's then when you mix in like a realistic murder or in the japanese case like sexualization of young women Mm. it's it's like using the imagination background and setting and then slipping in reality i don't know don't know if it's on purpose but it's it's kind of it it throws you off guard i think yeah i know what you mean yeah exactly it does and it's like the for example i I watched the most recent halloween film there and it's definitely by far the most violent one of all and the funny thing about the first halloween film which is like a classic and the best one in my mind is that the violence in it is minimal but it's about menace it's about suspense and it's about the threat of violence whereas in this one he's just shoving his fingers into people's eye sockets stamping on their heads uh like absolutely maiming people and it's like um that's kind of where i think that's kind of where films have gone lately it's like i suppose it was more scary when it was the threat of something and it was like linked to your childhood fears the threat of a clown the threat of a man in the mask but now it's just gone absolutely the other end and i'm sure squid game is the same from what i've heard but i haven't seen it where it's just absolutely gory explicit violence and all the kind of nuances is is dead yeah it's almost like a platform for the gore to be uh promoted uh through the childhood themes and the halloween the first movie definitely or the first film um i don't like when i say movie even though (laughs) i say it a lot anyway uh that doesn't matter but uh, no you're right (laughs) film is correct film uh so 
yeah, the first one, you're absolutely right. It was it's like there's an adult theme to that and it's the menace and it's the threat and it's all really realistic, whereas the more recent ones lose the realism and then it's an excuse. Oh, we're doing this. Oh, it's, it's only a bit of fun. It's Halloween. And now let's show graphic gore and people getting their eyes pulled out of their faces and things like that, which some people <laughs> get off on. <laughs> and I, recently, I, I rewatched the first Saw film, exactly the first three Saw films, because uh, I remember really liking them at the time. And I think as an adult, I've um, become more disgusted by gore. Whereas I, I wouldn't say I used to get off on it, but I definitely used to get it. <laughs> no, not like, many people would admit to that. <laughs> I, I used to get a thrill from it, definitely. Yeah. And like the more violent the film, kind of the more thrilling it was, especially yeah. when I was much younger, like watching Reservoir Dogs or Scarface or something for the first time. You're like, oh, he cuts off his ear. That type of yeah, stuff. it was kind of a yeah. novelty back then, and the, Quentin Tarantino's movies. Sorry, I've said that again. Um, film, his films, uh, they they had a lot of a story in them, and the violence kind of made sense. Or it wasn't violence a lot of the time masquerading as a childhood story. Yeah, but uh, anyway, I just wanted to say, rewatching the Saw films, I was kind of disgusted by the violence, and it it put me off because I still enjoy them. I like the kind of premise and the story, even though it's not particularly like it's it's not like really well written or anything but it's just it's a nice little self-contained horror series which you don't have to think too much about but there is a bit to think about there's a bit of food for thought in it and um i used to really like them but now i find myself finding it difficult to watch because it's so graphic and, and each film tries to outdo the last one it's just like how can we like let's just crush somebody's head slowly and you know, that type of stuff and show the whole thing there's a there's a there's a section in saw three where somebody performs open skull surgery on somebody else and you see everything as if it's real actually sawing open his skull and picking away part of his skull it's disgusting and that's not even one of the violent parts that's actually a, an operation that's required by one of the characters but <laughs> yeah but it, but it is violent and it is there is a kind of a, people do get off on this stuff and a lot of murders if you listen to the podcast about serial killers there is a sort of a sexual element to a lot of it um and, yeah, it's a yeah. large number of people who get off on that shit now. Like serial killer podcasts and true crime podcasts are the most popular fucking ones, except maybe uh, Joe Rogan and, and that type of stuff. Like after that, it's it's fucking true crime. People love it. And again and again. <laughs> and again and again and again. Shout out to Dr. Phil's uh, podcast on Murders and Mysteries by Dr. Phil. I'm Dr. Phil. ended there so we're going to move on to culture i'm only going to do one of my c's because we're going long already i'll save the next one for next time but it's a good story okay so well i said it. at the top of the show that you reserve the right not to share your two f's and your two c's so you you're within your rights here i'm exercising my rights correct uh so we're going to do one of the c's and we'll save the next one for next time this one is the culture of blanking um and by blanking an old classic. By blanking, I mean walking directly towards somebody you know. You could know them well. They could be an acquaintance. But you definitely know them and they definitely know you. And a couple of things might happen. There's a few different variations on it. One is you both make eye contact with each other and then you immediately look away and pretend you haven't seen each other. The other is you make eye, you look at the person. They're not looking at you. You look away quickly and you decide to walk by them without acknowledging them. Um... And the third one is you walk by each other, but you still see one another with your peripheral vision because, let's face it, peripheral vision is quite good and it's really easy to recognize somebody you know. Everything about them, their face, their gait, the way they walk, everything. It's like a person you know is kind of instantly recognizable in a crowd. But that's the third kind of option where you definitely both know each other are walking towards one another because you see the person with your peripheral vision but you haven't looked at them directly you haven't made eye contact certainly but you still walk by them and don't acknowledge them but all three and there's probably other variations are a form of blanking where it's basically not acknowledging somebody you know and you make a split second decision you decide not to stop and talk to them you walk on and you go about your day i think i've done all three and had all three done to me Yes, so this happened to me the other day, but somebody I know quite well. I won't say who it is. Um, Name him. It's not some... It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's you, Joe <laughs> O'Brien. 
<laughs> it's not somebody who'll be listening to this podcast, and it's not somebody you know. I'll say that much. Um, mm. But I know this person. It's a friend of a friend, but I've spent many nights out drinking with him, get along really well with him, and I quite like him. Mm. But uh, we did the option one of blanking there recently on Henry Street. Remind us what option one is again. Option one is where you make eye contact and you look away really quickly and pretend you haven't, and then you walk on by past one another. Great. Um, okay. So, sorry, it wasn't Henry Street. It was a Connell Street in town. I was walking up a Connell Street. He was walking down. It was the middle of the day. We walked by one another. Quick eye contact. Glanced away. And then I went for the fake gestury head movement of how's it going, even though I had no intention of saying how's it going. But I was trying to save face so that I look at least like I was attempting to say hello, even though no sounds came out of my mouth. <laughs> I moved my head in such a manner that suggested that I might have been trying to say hello. You were open to it. I was open to it, ostensibly, but I wasn't really open to it. I was closed, <laughs> 100% close to it. And uh, we both walked by each other, and it was a double-decided wow. blank. That's devastating. Uh, yeah, we both, to the we both decided to... Yeah, it is devastating to the friendship, isn't it? But my my question to you is, what, like you said, you're familiar with it, and you've experienced all three and probably done all three. What is it that we're so afraid of happening that we decide to do this? Because I've done this many times, and I'll do it again. And so will other people. And I'm more often the recipient of a blank than the, you know, instigator of blank. But it's it, 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 it creates a strange feeling in me after it's happened. And I don't know why I've done it. Because if I were to stop and talk to this person, we would have had a very nice exchange. We would have had a brief conversation. And we would have both gone about our day. But for some reason, there's a little trigger in you that says, don't do it. Run. <laughs> Run. <laughs> Run for your life. Yeah, get out of there. Get out now while you can. He's seen Rather you. Than talk, <laughs> rather than talk to this person who you like quite a lot, run. Yeah, get out of there. Emergency. Um, I, well, you're asking me uh, what, what I think the reasons are. I, I don't really have the answers, but I can only give my own experience, I guess. Um, one of those would be um, just that split anxiety response that, that you kind of um mentioned there i think sometimes social interactions can provoke a bit of anxiety just for whatever reasons just interacting with a human being in general and um, that could be one for me it's kind of like i don't want to sometimes use up my energy talking with somebody i couldn't be arsed yeah <laughs> talking yeah. to them so it's it's some it's the worst after a long day of work and you might be on the way home from the on the bus and you you see someone you know but you've just been talking to people kind of small talk all day really in work and you just you're ready to switch off you're in a zone where you don't want to talk to someone and you make the decision the uh, slightly sociopathic decision to pretend that person doesn't exist or yeah. you didn't see them so but it's yeah. kind of self protection i would say it's protection protection <laughs> i i don't see i i don't know it's kind of one of those things where you wanted to blank him he wanted to blank you and that's actually... But uh, I was still 4% heartbroken. <laughs> <laughs> that he didn't go out of his way to say hello to me. <laughs> and you can't have it both ways. I know, but I wanted it both ways. <laughs> you wanted to be the blanker and not the blankie. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's. I bet you if we went to different cultures around the world, like the Germans, for example, they're very good on these types of things where people know where they stand and like people don't do platitudes as much and i did some online meetings with germans recently and they're very much um they cut down on the platitudes and the social graces and all that and get straight down to business and it's kind of like people could see that as unfriendly but in another way it's kind of it's uh real it's authentic so it was kind of authentic for you not to want to talk to him and it was authentic for him to do the same but somehow that's socially outlawed Whereas I wonder if it should be the opposite, that it should be okay for people. It, like, imagine a world where you go, oh, yeah, I saw him. And he, did, he blanked me. He must have not wanted to talk to me. That's fine. I didn't want to talk to him either. <laughs> the funny thing is, is that I know that's exactly what happened. And I know the reasons why, because I was experiencing the same thing as I walked by him. But at the same time, a small part of me thought it was a bit empty the yeah. exchange um, and like maybe that society is a bit shit <laughs> yes and I'm going to give another example of this and there's a small likelihood that this person is listening and he'll know who he is <laughs> if he is um, 
And this is something I never spoke about uh, to this person. His name is com- East Coast, West Coast. <laughs> 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 it's something I never spoke about to this person, but it was clearly known by both of us. Um, I used to get the bus into work when I lived on the Navin Road and I worked in Santry slash Ballymun. Uh, I would get the bus, the four bus from Fibsborough into Ballymun for like it was basically a worked in a business park that was half in Ballymun, half in Santry. So I'd get the four into Ballymun and walk up to the Santry bit where I worked, which was in the same business park. But um <clears throat> that's absolutely irrelevant to any of that. But uh, I, I used to get the bus anyway. And by the time I got on the bus, this guy who I worked with and sat beside in work every day used to be on the bus already. And he'd always sit downstairs. So I'd see him every day. But I used to pretend not to see him. And I'd walk upstairs and I'd get the bus and I would blank him essentially and he would blank me we never really acknowledge one another and I would go upstairs and sit on the bus upstairs on my own usually listening to music or a podcast or something and then as we got off the bus I'd acknowledge him and I'd say oh how's it going (laughs) (laughs) I'd pretend like I hadn't seen him when I was getting on (laughs) and you'd do this repeatedly (laughs) oh for for a year and a half I didn't see you again this is mad how this keeps happening but I didn't necessarily see him every day in the bus because we wouldn't always get the bus at the same time. But many days, not maybe two days a week, we might be on the same bus or three. Um, and uh, yeah, I do this pantomime every time. And my reason for it was I sat beside him all day in work and I really got along very well with him and I really liked him. He was really sound. Um, but my reason for this was if I got on the bus and acknowledged him, it would mean I had to, it would have had to have sat down beside him. And personally, there's nothing I hate more than being on a bus, especially in the morning, and having to have a conversation with somebody you know. I've never in my life felt so self-conscious, except for in that situation. Having a a loud conversation with people on the bus, especially in the morning time when it's quiet, when everyone's going into work. I hate doing it because I feel like everybody's listening to me and everybody's judging everything I have to say. And they're obviously not, but I just don't like it. It makes me feel really uncomfortable. So there was that reason. The other reason was... makes sense, yeah. The other reason was I was trying to consider how he might feel and if he would want to talk to me every day, every morning when I got on the bus, when he had to sit beside me all day and work anyway, do you necessarily want to be talking to that person on your fucking commute as well? Probably not. Um, And then the third reason was it was kind of like almost always it was just one of those decisions where I just shot up the stairs. (laughs) (laughs) But like, uh, sorry, and, and an additional fourth reason was I used to like to listen to stuff on the bus in the morning, like usually a podcast on my way into work. And it's that time that you have on your commute that you don't ever get anywhere else. And it's something I really miss now because I'm not commuting anywhere. I'm staying at home. It's that commute time, a good 40 minutes or 30 minutes of podcast uh, or music. And that's rare. You don't you don't really get it. Like you might come home in the evening and you might have three or four hours, but you don't necessarily always just sit there and put on your earphones and listen to a podcast. It's not as it doesn't seem as, as suitable in that situation as it does on a commute because like that's kind of what a commute is designed for. And I didn't want to sacrifice that time that I had speaking to somebody who I could speak to all day anyway. So there you go. If you're listening, <laughs> well, you, know, you know who you are. Well, you had four four good reasons there. There's probably more as well. <laughs> so there's there a lot are. of reasons. But then there used to be a spanner in the works and this used to expose the whole thing for the sham that it was. So another other other times I would get on the bus and this girl who I was good friends with as well, but you would go for lunch with and, and hang out socially with as well after work on on different things sometimes she would be on that bus very infrequently and she would be down stairs sitting beside this guy and as i would get on the bus she'd be like oh fergal (laughs) (laughs) so on those occasions i had to walk down and sit with them but then she wouldn't be on the bus the next day and i would do the same i'd revert back to the old thing of like not (laughs) now it looks like you're only talking to him because she's there and that was the, that, and that's completely true as well. That, but that she's forcing reason. it. It looks like you're choosing it now. To but him. I wouldn't like <laughs> the thing is I wouldn't have blanked her in the same way. And the reason I suppose is is because it was I was in much deeper with her as a, in a as a kind of a friend. As I said, we went for lunch every day, um, and we hung around socially and went there drinking. Whereas this other guy, I just sat beside him and worked. We got along really well, but we didn't do any of that other stuff. We didn't go for lunch. We didn't go for breaks. We didn't hang around socially. So it would be bizarre. Of, it would be worse for me to have blanked her in my mind, in my fucked up logic, fucking um, anxiety riddled, snap decision mind. 
it would have been weirder and less socially acceptable for me to blank her than it was for me to blank him. Uh, so there you go. That's that's like all of these machinations going on in my mind every morning when I was getting the bus. <laughs> I think a lot of people could relate to that, and I think it's probably related to the fact that it's not socially acceptable to say hello to somebody and then say I don't want to talk to you right now. That's it, and that's yeah. That's kind of the other reason is that yeah. In my one of my reasons there, the second one maybe was that if I said hello and then just went walked up the stairs, that that would be seen as worse nearly than just blanking. But in in a in a weird way, that's exactly what both of you want in the situation. Yeah, you'd both be happiest with that because you're saying hello, you're acknowledging the existence of the human being, you're not blanking mm. them, you're respecting them, and mm. you're also then saying, "I'm going up now to have my own time." Um, yeah. And maybe that is okay. The more you say it, if you say it to someone in a, a like a understanding way, and you're not being rude to them, you're just saying, "Look, I really need some time alone." Then maybe it should be. I don't see any. I can't think of any reasons why that should be socially unacceptable. But I know that it is for many people, or many people feel they they can't say that. I know, yeah. And there are some people I do it with. Like I'd say, I walk by them on the street and I'd say hello, and then that would be it. There's a guy I used to work with in Aircom 10 years ago. And again, we used to get along really well. He was big into his heavy metal. We used to go out drinking. And I've seen him around town many times in the last 10 years. And I actually just walk about, or sorry, walk past him and say, How's it going? And he's like, How are you? And then that's it. We don't stop and talk. <laughs> Good. And like, I actually kind of would maybe enjoy a chat with him. But like, I don't necessarily want nine chat with, chats with him over a eighteen month period. <laughs> you know? yeah. I might enjoy the, I might enjoy the first chat, and then afterwards it would be very difficult. It would be like pulling teeth, uh, because you know all of our good stuff would have been used up in the first chat. So we we both just adopted this policy of just walking by each other and saying hello, <laughs> and then nothing after. We're just walking on. That's how yeah. That's correct. That's the correct. Yeah. Uh, response in these situations i think but then like this is a person also who i could have been outside in the smoking section of fibber mcgee's with talking the ear off until three in the morning back when i worked with him but like it's just not really appropriate anymore to in the to, setting that you're in and the context that you're in the hello acknowledge is the best possible thing i think i think it is but again it feels a bit wrong to do it yeah i think it triggers as a human being it triggers the rejection it just we, yeah, have, that's we have it. that mechanism in our brains that is like oh I was rejected, and then you think oh did I reject the other person and they're thinking those two things as well even though the two of you don't want to talk to each other. Yeah, it is. That's it. It's rejection, and that actually that's something I wouldn't have I wouldn't come up with that word myself, but that's exactly kind of what I'm. That's the topic I'm dancing around. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I kind of that's why I think the acknowledgement sometimes is good because you're not rejecting the person. Or you're letting just being as upfront and straightforward with it as possible, and maybe it's much easier for us as older men to do this, where we it doesn't really matter what you do, really. As yeah, you say whatever you want. That's the, the gift, the sort of the truth I learned in my thirties. You can say whatever you want, uh, as long as it doesn't hurt people, and it doesn't matter, and you can make up for it the next time. So if you're in your twenties, listen to that. It doesn't matter. Anything you do doesn't matter, as long as you don't hurt them. It's true as well. You can um, say really weird shit to someone, <laughs> really bad. Uh, I used to say call them performances. Sometimes <laughs> you could have a really bad performance trying to make new friends or whatever, and um, the next week you'd have a really good performance, and the bad performance doesn't matter at all. Nobody cares. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I remember you used to call it doing damage as well. <laughs> doing damage. Yes, that was my uh, dark, younger, uh, lower confidence days when. Yes, when I was awkward. <laughs> so you're like, oh, I did damage last night. That was a weird, uh, just a very quick uh, one on that, because I used to try and get drunk before I used to go out and meet people. And I used to think <clears throat> that I should be really drunk and jolly and talking to people and putting on a show and making loads of jokes. And I had it in my head at that time, but that was the real me. And then when I <laughs> went out some other time and I wasn't as drunk and I was being my true self and I was kind of quiet and, and a bit more awkward and just being more normal i would yeah. freak out and decide that was uh doing damage <laughs> <laughs> i'd bury my head in my hands by being myself being is myself doing is damage. doing damage <laughs> but it was all kinds of different factors like there was i, I wasn't uh, comfortable in some of the nightclubs situations where you had to where a certain personality was uh encouraged and cer- certain people were more suited to to go out and meet new people, and everyone kind of had to be. Richard Skelly, for example. 
Yes. Or, how are you? You know, how are you? How's it going? Oh, yeah, I do know. We won't name him. I just named Richard Skelly for the laugh. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, that was a very fruitful discussion. Yes. On blanking. It's an old classic. We could talk about blanking for for longer. Yeah, it Uh, is an old classic. It's a good Um, one. But have you ever had somebody, very, very quickly, sorry, have you ever had somebody call you out (laughs) mid-blank? Yeah, well, it happens quite a lot at work, I have to to say. Uh, When I pass someone in the corridor and I go for the blank, because I go for the, I'm really busy. And then as I'm a metre past them, they go, oh, hi, Connell, how are you doing? Yeah. And then I have to shout back, not too bad, how are you? Yeah, and then you're walking away walking still, away. but like, like at a reduced thanks, pace, looking over your shoulder. Yeah, the one I, I, the one I have this with a particular colleague, it's, hello, how are you? Not too bad, how are you? Good. Good, no, it's always good, thanks. No, so it's, it always finishes that exact way. So it's, hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, thanks. That's it. And it's that every single day, that same Jesus conversation. Jesus Christ. And now it's becoming strained. Now it's becoming like a kind of a crutch. How do you know this person? Look, without revealing too much, like, have you worked with them before? This, this is a colleague. Yeah, I, I've worked. This colleague is on my team. So I have some interactions with this colleague. and I'm not going to re- reveal their gender. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm guessing it's a woman, but I'm not going to say <laughs> you don't have to reveal. I cannot neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> but um. we're stuck in this. And, and sometimes I wouldn't mind. It, it's a weird one. Yeah, it's I wouldn't mind a bit more, but most of the time it's gone uh, too far now. Yeah, we're stuck in this. It's going to be like this for years now. Yeah. Do you ever have these weird people in work as well where for some reason it's just like there's a bit of tension between you for absolutely <laughs> no reason at all? Yes. <laughs> and you don't know each other even that well. <laughs> sometimes if we're honest, like you just take a personal dislike to somebody. Yeah, <laughs> and that's like that's being honest. Like you don't show it, or you don't like go around like shouting about the, the rooftops. Or, yeah, yeah. But you, have, you think to yourself, I don't really like that guy. I don't like that cunt. <laughs> yeah, and it's inevitable. Like there's so and then they come into the room, you're like, oh, this cunt. Yeah, <laughs> or they start talking in the meeting, and you go to yourself, oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> and they could be saying something grand, like, but you just yeah, dislike yeah. them. You put them. So, so, something you would uh, happily accept from somebody else yeah. if they were saying it, <laughs> but they say it. <laughs> I think it's because there's so many of them there that you're bound to dislike privately. Oh, it's, it's, it's the law of averages, yeah. You can't possibly like everybody. And do you know what? They're probably doing something that you can't even quantify. Um, that just annoys you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't have the time to like analyze it or break it down. Yeah, you're just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have a few of those as well. I think everybody does. And the funny thing is that so you are that to somebody else. <laughs> you are that person to somebody but else. Jeez, that's a hard thought to have, isn't it? It you is. Try yeah. not to that's, think of that. That's the ultimate rejection. <laughs> That's worse than blanking. <laughs> That's somebody thinking about you going, shut up. Every time you start talking. <laughs> there must be people like that, yeah. <laughs> and it's the ultimate self-acceptance, isn't it? To to find out about people thinking about that, about you, and not giving a shit. I, yeah. I think I'm getting closer to that as I get older. I don't, I don't give a shit about what people think. I am as well. Uh, that, that plagued me for a long time, the idea that people might not like me. Um, for years, mm. I, 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 nay, nay, decades. Um, yeah, the idea that people might not like me, and the th- the thought that they definitely didn't like me for no reason. Um, and like, I would think that about far too many people than than was accurate. As yeah. in, like, there's probably one or two, like we said, that definitely didn't. But like, <laughs> I would think this about like loads of people. I think it's actually a very funny thought to think like every time you talk, someone is like, "Oh, for fuck's sake, this <laughs> fucking arsehole." There's something funny about it to think about it about yourself. Uh, <laughs> Unbeknownst to yourself. And it must be oblivious. true. It has to be true. Yeah, it is, yeah. Sure, if we have them, then other people have them. But like completely obliviously, you're just saying normal things and they're just like, they hate you. It's yeah. <laughs> uh, Great C. 
It was. Now let's finish up. Let's get to the K. This is, again, it's the kernel of truth and it's your K this time. So what have you got for us? This is from Stephen Finn, psychologist. And if you want to learn more about this, go to a podcast called Therapist Uncensored. And there is an interview with Dr. Stephen Finn from America. And he talks about the following. Colon. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> a bit so, indulgent there. <laughs> a bit indulgent. <laughs> I heard on another podcast, there's this podcaster, uh, David McWilliams. And he also, he's, when he's making his point, he always says, and it is the following. And then he goes into it smoothly. Um, but I can't do that. So I went down a different route. Uh, now, back on track. So Dr. Stephen Finn, the psychologist, he said that... Um, <laughs> he said he said that uh, yes <laughs> guilt healthy guilt uh no um sorry he said that shame is an unhealthy form of guilt okay and i think sometimes people don't realize the difference between shame and guilt when he talks about it at length in the podcast and i've been learning about it recently and i think it's a really important thing to to learn about um so do you mind if i pontificate at the listener and, and yourself for for two minutes I, not only do i not mind i want you to interesting <laughs> so <laughs> this probably the listener is probably at home going off oh, for fuck's sake off he goes his fucking arsehole now so <laughs> turn off um so it if the difference with why shame can be unhealthy is if you do something wrong and somebody confronts you about what you've done that's wrong, you could go into this shame zone, which shame is like, oh, you're right. I'm such a bad person. I'm a terrible person. I'm an awful person. Oh, God, why is why am I such a bad person? And you start to beat yourself up. Or another kind of consequence of shame is when somebody calls you out on something you've done wrong. So you've done you've made a mistake. You've done something wrong. And then you get defensive. You say, no, I didn't do anything wrong. No, I didn't do that. You did something worse than me. Or or you try to deflect it away because you're feeling that feeling of shame that you can't face up to the shame of doing something wrong because it hurts to admit that you've done something wrong. So why that's different to guilt and healthy guilt. So this is when you actually have done some, done something wrong, not when you haven't done something wrong and you feel guilt. That would be unhealthy guilt. But healthy guilt is actually like, I did yeah you're right I did something wrong I made a mistake there yeah that was that was a bad mistake sorry about that uh, but the difference is that you you don't go into this kind of thinking you're a bad person beating yourself up now you're you're thinking I made a mistake I'm going to learn from it and I'm going to make it better and I apologize to you I forgive myself and I'm moving on and yeah. I won't do that again and that's the difference between shame and guilt okay that he talks about <laughs> Very good. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know where, where we go with this, but <laughs> no, I was going to say as you were explaining the difference between the two there, depending on how I'm feeling mentally at the time, I can I can go into the the former into the shame zone. Definitely, I've I've done that in the past, but um, I think probably as we were saying there, as you grow up, you can say whatever you want, you can do whatever you want. But I think also I've become a bit, I've had a bit more humility as I've grown older as well. And I, I've been able to admit when I'm wrong sometimes. And sometimes that's the easiest thing to do mm. is to just go, yeah, Jesus, I'm really sorry. That was fucking stupid. I, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, and then <laughs> yeah. just kind of move, move on with your life. Yeah. And just get yeah. into that habit of saying sorry. It's it's better, yeah. isn't it? It's easier. I, I think maybe if you're going through a period of low self-esteem, you go down the guilt road. Or the, sorry, the, the shame road, sorry. Uh, where you're like, I'm a terrible person. Jesus Christ, how could anyone possibly ever like me after what I've just done? That's that's terrible. Um, but I think if you're maybe experiencing a normal period or a period of confidence or things are going well in your life, you, you're more likely to go, shit, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Jesus Christ, I'm really sorry. Because you can take it, can't you? you like, you, you yeah. can take the pain of admitting that you did something wrong because you have a foundation you, of good self-esteem. You have a, a strong the, core, yeah. Yeah, whereas someone like uh, Donald Trump can't, you can notice him, he, can, he just can't admit when he's wrong. He just physically can't. He's so, he's in such a habit of deflecting it and putting it back on the person who's who's calling him out or finding excuses that yeah. he, he literally can't admit that he's wrong. 
And that can be really difficult in for other people and for him in the long term. I, well, he became the president of America, so I don't know. Probably worked out fine for him, but for a lot of people, it no, I, I mean, people like, away. maybe it worked out fine for him, but also it, it, it exposed him to uh, an unnatural amount of hatred and constant criticism that surely will live with him for the rest of his life. Yeah. Even even no matter what he's like publicly, where he deflects everything, like he just got absolutely slaughtered every day of that four year stint as the president. That he must have some kind of uh, hangover from it. Yeah. <laughs> there's no, there's no way you couldn't like. So yeah, yeah, like, but he's a fucking child though. Like, like anyone can see that. It mm. is exactly what a child would do in the playground. It's like, you stole my brick. No, I didn't. You stole my copy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know why the child would have a brick, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, it is very childish. And part of adulthood is, is kind of admitting that you're wrong. But it's kind of like, sometimes it starts with shame. So when someone calls you out and done something wrong, the first emotion is not guilt. Sometimes it's shame. Yeah, and if you're not like kind of ready to move past the shame, it actually hurts from move to sh- moving from shame into guilt. But as Stephen Finn would say on his podcast, therapist uncensored, he was a guest on that podcast. He said that guilt is the healthy processing of shame. So when you can move from from shame to guilt, so that's one for the listener to watch Very out good. for. Very Bit of a lecture good. at the end of the of the podcast there. Oh, it's only a mild lecture. Mild lecture. <laughs> mansplaining, as they say. Oh, <laughs> quick one on mansplaining. Sorry, I know this is completely off topic. Yeah. I like to explain things in general. I know as we've had this conversation before, as a man. And if I'm mansplaining to you right now, or if I was in the last few minutes and I was enjoying that, is that mansplaining? I feel that, I one, I think we've talked about this before, but it was a long time ago. Two... I feel that mansplaining is generally reserved for when a man speaks down to a woman and explains how something works. Yes. Okay. So I don't know if it counts if it's man to man. It's it's more of a gender divide thing, I think, where it's like, yeah, I don't need a man to explain that to me. I'm also educated and a real person myself. Okay. So I can, in a way, I it's okay for me to pontificate at men, but it's not okay for me to pontificate at women, according to this sort of, uh, like societal meme in a way. well it depends one where you stand on mansplaining and if you acknowledge that it even exists and two if you care about it well <laughs> well if i assume that it does exist let's say I, do, I assume about and i assume that i do care about it because i don't want to do something that's unintentionally reinforcing gender imbalances let's say if i care about it in that way mm. but I am not sure if it's fair because I'm I'm just behaving the same way as I do to men as I do to women and that I pontificate at both. Should I still not mansplain to women? I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm confusing myself here. So <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll leave that one to the listener, maybe. Leave it to the listener, yeah. If you'd like to contact us, you can contact us on feckin check in at gmail.com, the feckin check in podcast network page on Facebook, or at feckin check in on Twitter. And as we wrap up here, I, for the second time running, do not have a song of the week, month, three weeks, fortnight, or undetermined quantity of time. Do you have a song you'd like to play us out on to me? Uh, that is on the spot and I am not good at on the spot so rather than come up with something on the spot I am just going to keep talking about the fact that I can't come up with a song and in that time I'm hoping that you will come back in with a song that you have thought that would be appropriate for the song of the week okay Okay, it's kind of Halloween-y even though it's not we missed Halloween. We thought we might do a Halloween special. We didn't. I cut that bit out of the last episode so that we wouldn't be committed to it. I'd like to play the song Don't Fear the Reaper by Blue Oyster Cult, which I heard recently in the film Halloween, which we've just talked about. So that's appropriate because we were talking about it. Let's play that. That's going to do it for the feckin' check-in. We'll probably see you in about two weeks, hopefully. That's all from me. Any final words for the listener to me? That's appropriate and feck off.
to the wind. 